Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Welcome back to our conversation on mothering kids ages six through eight with Margie Priestley, Kim Rivera, and Karen Rack. Um, this is part two of our conversation. So if you missed the first one, make sure you go back and listen to that one as well. And we're just going to pick up asking questions that women in our church submitted. So, um, this question says, I find that as my children grow older, they have more opinions. We often knock heads on things that I see as important, which they disagree on issues. The Bible doesn't give black and white instruction about. For example, clothing style, dress for Sunday morning, um, music, habits of working hard in school and at home, habits of cleanliness, what clean means, and the list can go on. I don't want my every conversation to be a conflict over these issues. How do I allow them to grow into the young person God has designed them to be in personality and character and yet also teach them aspects of discipline, hard work, and habits my husband and I desire for them? Margie? Well, I would... um... She has said it's a gray area, so some things are not gray. Modesty, vulgarity in music, personal discipline, Proverbs talks a lot about that. So, But she's saying it's a gray area. So if the Bible is silent, I would say give freedom. You want your children to be thinkers and not robots. And I started to encourage my children around the age of six to, to feel the freedom to disagree with me because you want them it to be you to be a safe place so that when they are uh, struggling with uh, maybe their thoughts about God or the word that you're a safe place for them to talk to because they will they will have uh, questions and so um, Wes would say, uh, your children are not, they won't come from hiding from the bush if they know when they do, they're going to get shot at every time they come out from hiding. And so you have to, uh, I think, encourage them to uh, be thinkers. And so that's part of it. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I think for us, um, first of all, I couldn't have said it better about the, if it's gray, you know, you're talking about there are things in the Bible that are not gray, they're black and white. So that's good to distinguish between those two. Um, but I think biblical principles have helped me in these gray areas. For example, modesty, you know, yeah. um, I have five daughters, so, you know, we've we've had lots of conversations. It's, it's really it's very challenging to um, try to keep current with fashion and style and be modest for a female. And we really are contending for that. Because And so I think in our home, how we've handled that is we talk about, we talk about these principles of God's word, like about not causing a brother to stumble. It's like, you know, we don't want to dress in a way that is going to draw attention or cause someone temptation or sin. So, so we're, you know, our goal is love. We want the we want the goal for even the way we dress to be out of love for other people. So, um, and modesty is something that is biblical, and um, but it is just contending for it with the current fashions and 
um, styles. So that's that's a hard one. But but we definitely have tried to go back to biblical principles. You know, for music, it would it would be just about you know like Philippians four eight. You know, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, uh, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise. Think about those kind of things. So, you know, are there songs that are not labeled Christian that are good songs? Sure, there are. You know, we're not trying to be legalistic and binding, but certainly there's uh, just just show, just again, any anything we're doing, we want to honor God. We just want to honor the Lord and um, and love Him and whatever we're doing and make make. You know, God is not boring or not fun. He, God is good. And, and so we want to obviously cast a vision that God is fun and good. And we dance a lot in our kitchen and sing while we're putting dishes away at night. So we, you know, we've, you know, just, just solid principles. Um, I would also, I had a caution though with this thought. And sometimes though, I think we have to be careful that we are in these matters we want to discern the heart of each matter um, because sometimes i think what we call that's their personality really could be a lack of character in our child so we have to be careful with that sometimes we might um we might be a little too lenient in this path of uh, when we talk about personality versus character so just just watch out for that because like i am a neat freak so i do have children that are more clutter bugs and and they're very happy in their clutter i mean they really love it and um so yeah there are times where we have to kind of reach a compromise but then there are times when they know i've asked them to do a specific task and if, task and if they don't do that they're really just disobeying me they're not they're not honoring me so i have to address that you know and we we've had some conversations with some kids where we laugh like okay i recognize that you're very happy with papers all over the floor and books you know i understand that and but I'm not comfortable with it today, so I really want you to clean that up and, and make it neat and tidy for me today. And just make sure that it's very um, obvious that, hey, this is, an, this is an obedience issue right now. I want you to obey what I'm asking you to do and don't let that slide um, from time to time. So I don't know. There's definitely grace, and I don't know how to – I think it's just one of those things where you, there is grace, but you have to just be discerning of, okay, what is – God's words, black and white. What is the gray area? When are we allowing our children to really just be, um, you know, we're calling something personality when they're really just not being obedient versus, yeah, this is something that I need to give in. And there, there definitely is just, I think that's where I have sometimes just have to cry out to God, just give me wisdom, help me to help me not to be a, you know, squelcher of them on every on everything they're doing. And I think Margie said earlier um, about, you know, if we correct our children every time they turn around, that that's, that's hard. So just, just asking the Lord for help and to be gracious because God is gracious to us in these areas. Um, so yeah, I guess it's a lot of just asking God for wisdom, but the good news is he gives wisdom to those who ask. Very good. Okay, the next two questions are about discipline. Um, so this one says, as my child, as my children grow older, I find that the forms of discipline that were very cut and dry as toddlers are now less effective. I want my discipline to get to their hearts and bring them back to God, and I'm having a hard time finding um, what does that now as they're older. I don't want to be caught up in practices. What suggestions and wisdom would you have? So the question is, um, and the goal is always to get to the heart of our child. And that the question is, what is effective at getting to the heart? 
And we have to be really cautious here because man looks on the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. So by what we're looking at, we can't possibly know what is hitting our children's heart except when God tells us. And he does. In um, Proverbs uh, 22, 15, he says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And Proverbs 23, 13 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. So here God's telling us what does get to the heart. But you might say, but Kimberly, that is not effective anymore. It used to be effective, and now it's not changing the behavior. But again, the goal is the heart, and the heart changes slower. So it's easy in some ways to change behavior. It's hard to hit the heart. And you might say, but Kimberly, if I take video games away for a day, the behavior changes. But then you have to ask, what are we teaching their heart? Are we teaching their heart that if I do this, I get what I want? So are we really teaching their heart selfishness? Are we teaching them that if, if I do these things, I can get what I want? And so that's where I would say be really careful going outside of what Scripture says, the, type, the forms of discipline that reach a child's heart. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is God's upside-down economy mm-hmm. and, and what makes sense to us. Um, it doesn't work in God's economy. And, and something we found very interesting is the more consistent we were at spanking our children, the happier they were. One of... One of the compliments we get on our kids is how happy our kids are. We love that because we're like, man, our kids have probably been spanked more (laughs) than most children. So for people to see a joy and a happiness in our children, um, they love us even with that. And they, I think they appreciate it. And I think this is God's upside down economy, um, and they're just going to leave you with Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates his sin, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Mm. Yeah, I I want to say I, I agree with Kimberly because I was thinking that you know we're talking about six to eleven year olds specifically in this podcast, but I think spanking is effective still at this age. And um, but again, let me. You know, Kimberly, I actually talked about this before we got together tonight because we were both wondering if we were on the same page, and we were. Um, you know, both of us, when, when the Lord talks about, you know, the rod of reproof, you know, we're not we're not talking about abusive, out of control, you know, what, what maybe some people think when they think spanking. I think we all have connotations of what that means. Some people have had bad experiences as children in that way. Um, I was spanked as a child, and I, I really actually love how my parents disciplined me. I did not like it at the moment, but I have great respect for my mom and dad, and they did it very well. It was, um, you know, I didn't obey. I got a spanking. I still, the love they had for me was never in question. Um, it was done out of con- under control, um, and that's what Philip and I aspire to do with our children as well. It's like when, when you're disobeying, you know, you need a spanking. It's like that, it's like that temporary pain. We're not talking about, you know, harming your child, but it's that temporary pain that just kind of shakes you out of your foolishness. And, and, and like Kimberly said, the word of God tells us it, it goes for the heart. And so I have observed as well that, um, when I am being diligent 
to to um to use the rod appropriately or you know I've seen my children happier and you know more pleasant to be around and they just seem they seem more settled um again I I've failed many times on um you know probably not spanking enough sometimes and letting kids get away with things and but anyway I do think that's just first of all something that's important to address that um there are you know there are as they get older I definitely their their cognitive abilities are advanced so I think I'm I'm probably queen of the long-winded lectures um and so you can ask my kids that they'll tell you that's true but I, I definitely would appeal to their intellect the older they get because they, they can understand more. So, you know, when they're little, you spank quickly, you hug, you, you cuddle, I love you, you need to obey mommy, and you go on. As they get older, I think sometimes there's, there's a little more talking going on because I want them to understand, you know, what's going on and that I really am for them. I think that's also a big issue in discipline um, when I Again, that solidarity standing alongside your child, no, letting them know, hey, I'm, I'm really for you. I'm not against you. I understand this issue. I've, I've done, I've, I've, I've struggled too, but ultimately, you know, I love you enough not to let you get away with this. I think that's the message that I try to tell my kids. It's like I love you enough that we need to deal with this, and we need to deal with it. We need to make an impression to deal with it, talk it through, and so certainly I have. Um, done a lot of lecturing, but, but Proverbs 15, 15 addresses that, that a gentle answer does turn away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. So again, as I am disciplining my children, um, you know, I've noticed that when I am in drill sergeant lecture mode, I, I can see a little distancing between me and that child. And when I stop and calm my heart down and come to them in that humble method of, Hey, I really do love you. I care about you. It's grieving me to see you do this, and here's why. There's oftentimes I see a different change in their um, their heart toward me, or at least what I can see on the outside. So, um, you know, um, there, there's scripture that Kimberly mentioned that that again is is our our baseline for why we would spank our children. But you know, again, when they're disobedient, they need they need reproof. But we're not talking about is it if we've done that. You know, in the early years, well, I think that those spankings get less and less and less as they get older. So, you know, um, by the time they're, you know, close to 11, there's probably very few, if any, spankings going on. Um, But so I want to make that clear. But, um, you know, so far, that's kind of how things have been. Um, Um, So along with discipline, I was just wondering how much... um, you would say just from your experience with your now all of you have children who are way older than this age um and so you you're in a season where you're seeing fruit with those children i just wondered how much you would say that when you're correcting your kids rebuking your kids disciplining your kids that it's an act of faith just looking back to my own childhood i just i remember my responses and it was like there was not a lot i'm sure my parents were like there is no change this isn't working but like later the lord would work in my heart and um, their correction was part of that. So would you guys say that you've seen that with your children? I definitely think that discipline and instruction is an act of faith. Um, women often will say to me, it doesn't seem like it's working. And, and my response is, 
it's this weird dichotomy. Your goal and discipline instruction is not to change your child's heart because you can't change it. It's not really even to change their behavior, although you think it is. Your, your, your responsibility in, in raising your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is to be obedient to God. So when you focus on that, yes, all the results are his. It really is a matter of faith because I'm, I'm not instructing and disciplining my children for any particular result. I'm disciplining and instructing my children because God tells me to. And then he promises these amazing blessings. So nothing's based on what I'm doing. It really is all God. I just have to be faithful to do what he tells me to do. Oh, that's so good. Having, yeah, just, um, and, and relying on the promises of God. That's really big. You know, there's been many a time I've prayed, um, Lord, I just thank you that all my children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their shalom peace. That's, you know, that's in scripture. And I, I you know, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of reproof will drive it far from them. Lord, thank you that I'm going to trust that you're going to drive it far from them. And that's what I want. I want the best for them. So I think, you know, relying on the promises of God when you are in faith doing what he's called us to do is good. And and, and you did talk about fruit in our older children. You know, I will say just just hope, hope this encourages some moms. You know, I my oldest would probably not mind me sharing this. We I, She is one of my best friends now she's 22 i love Catherine, and i think she loves me too we get along really well now but we didn't always get along really well we had some struggles along the way and um you know again just just plugging along trying to do what i felt like was the right thing to do and praying for her and um you know talking to my husband getting his counsel um, just trying to plug along and do what I felt like God was telling me to do each day. And God worked in Catherine's heart in a big way. And, you know, there was just some, um, part of it was just, she's, she's really capable. Um, she's strong, which she's a strong, you know, strong young woman. And honestly, she probably could do things better than me. So I think for a while there, she just thought she should take over and, put me on the back burner and you know yeah. yeah so she was the firstborn like hey mom I don't think I need you I think I can do this better and we had to put everything back in its biblical place that was the thing is like hey but I'm your mom and I've been called to be your mom and you've been called to submit to me and so again just a, just reaffirming this is what God's word says um, but God did a work in Catherine's heart and again we just reaffirm what God's word said um, my husband was a great help to me in this, and he really affirmed me to her, um, and, and dis- you know disciplined her and corrected her, um, and so. Uh, but the fruit of that came later, mm. and and now you know I just enjoy a great relationship with his daughter and see that God was extremely kind and gracious and faithful to His word. The next couple of questions have to do with puberty, so. It is evident that my child is approaching puberty and emotions and feelings are high. Sometimes I don't realize that and see them as disobeying or being disrespectful. What advice or wisdom would you give for me as I want to help them um, discern their reactions and feelings in truth versus just being emotional? And secondly, um, what wisdom would you have on how to handle these situations with grace and discernment? Margie? Well, it sounds like this mother does have a lot of grace by the way she phrased the question. 
And uh, so I would identify with them first that uh, I could relate to it, but also uh, teach them how to speak truth to themselves in the midst of uh, their emotions. And uh, But, you know, as a mother, I would um, give them a lot of grace and, you know, not be too hard on them during these times. So I guess my first question would be, are they being disobedient and disrespectful? That's good. Um, because if they really are being disobedient and disrespectful, the reason that they're being disobedient or disrespectful doesn't matter. Because we have to, ultimately, you know, little kid is disobedient and disrespectful because they're a sinner. And the 6 to 11 year old is disobedient and disrespectful because they're a sinner. And adults sin because they're sinners. And I can say, I am grumpy because I have not had my coffee this morning. But really, the coffee has nothing to do with why I'm grumpy. <laughs> I'm grumpy because I'm a sinner. And so I'd encourage parents to not teach their children to make excuses for behavior. You know, um, we were talking about humility earlier. And so, you know, um, what's the verse? A broken reed, the Lord will not break. Yes, will not break. Um, but but this, is, this is what we want to teach in our kid. we, kids. We don't want them to make excuses. We want them to say, boom, I was wrong. And, mm -hmm. and to, to humble themselves. So, you know, I encourage you to teach your children self-control, to expect more of them now than when they were littles. Um, but to also be compassionate because, and, and, and from my personal experience, did not have any hormonal stuff in the 6 to 11-year-old range. No, 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 that's not true of everybody. Mm -hmm. But, but um, when they do hit puberty, it's, it's, they don't know who they are like adults do. And they there's this struggle and, and what other people think of them is blown way out of proportion mm -hmm. for, for what what really is. So there's there's compassion and stuff there, but I'd really encourage um, parents to not teach them to um, make excuses for behavior and um, to teach self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Kim, that was really good. I'd like no, to change my answer. To <laughs> I like blah blah because I didn't have that last part. Right <laughs> yes, now. no, that was really good. No, and that, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a great, great balanced yeah. perspective. So, mm -hmm. um, okay, how do you help your? This is a similar question. Yeah. Um, but how do you help your nine to eleven year old with their emotions and changing bodies as they enter the tween years? Any way to help them before this age, Karen? Yeah, I like I like um, just finding opportunities to go out with this child on some one-on-one -on -one dates. Margie mentioned it earlier. I love to sometimes pull one kid aside in the car to do the grocery shopping or something with me. And just, just for fun, you know, not, not for necessarily correction's sake. I mean, just to get them out there with me and we turn up the music loud and sing, or we'll talk about something and laugh and joke. And so because what we're doing, I think Kimberly said earlier, like a, a love tank. Our kids have, we want to fill these tanks that our children have that we like them. You know, it's your, ch mm -hmm. your child 
needs to know that you like them. And, um, and that's going to be a really, that's going to be a key, a hook to their heart during these tween years when they are a little confused and feeling funny emotions and all that. So what's happened for me is I think just having fun with them and then that sparks into some really good conversations. So I have been intentional in that I've tried to go through some books, um, two books that I can recommend um, because there's the only two I've done and I, I did like them. Um, I'm not the most well-read person, but A Girl of Beauty by Carol Fiddler. It's just a, a little easy read chapter book about godly character in a young girl. It's really sweet. I've done that with my younger girls. And then um, this is the Care and Keeping of You books by American Girl, uh, one and two. Just those are really great books on puberty and your body changing. And they're really well written and they're very um, uh, parent supportive. Like they're not... They always say, go ask your parent, you know, or so I, I like everything we've read so far and um, has been great in those books. And those are more, you know, anatomically correct terms and, and just um, what's going on in the body, um, physio the physiological changes. So those have been great books where we're talking about stuff early on. Um, I don't want to give my kids too much uh information in the 6 to 12, 11 year old range to where you bog them down. I don't, that's just been my personal approach. I don't feel like I need to tell them every single thing, but they need to know uh, about human growth and development between those ages. Mm -hmm. But I know if I'm being wise and looking ahead, I see, oh, okay, they probably do need to know about some things, some of these things. So I, we, we talk about them and, and just getting the the, the conversation started and, and this is what's going to happen one day. And I don't want you to be afraid. I'm a girl. I've been through this. or So um, just appropriate amount, measured, measure, well-measured amounts of conversations on things that your child can handle at their age. And so these little books I can recommend because they're sweet. And one's more on the character issues with, with scripture. And the other one's just more you know, physical changes. So those have helped me a lot. But again, just, I think just, just making sure relationship between you and that child, that you're working hard, you're contending for a relationship with them so that you are the one they want to go to when they're in the midst of changes that are really, you know, they're awkward, right? I mean, it's awkward. And um, so I just, I sit there and tell the kids like, yeah, I don't like talking about this either. It's really <laughs> awkward for me. And we laugh and joke about things. And then I, I say, but hey, but I really do want you to feel like you can tell me a thing. And if I don't know, I'll go try to find out, you know? So um, that's been very good and proactive in our family. I think that just keeping on doing what you're doing, starting when they're born, is building that relationship, Karen, hit on that, and making sure that you, that they know that you love them, that they know that you enjoy being with them, that they know you think they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, I just, I think it's, it's the relationship with the parents first, and then of course, the identity is ultimately in Christ. Um, and, and that is, uh, that's really kind of, it is just kind of keep doing what you're doing, focusing on their heart and focusing on that relationship. 
Um, how do you help your daughter value the inner beauty of your heart and character in herself and others versus the outward beauty stressed by the culture? How do you balance the freedom of enjoying outward beauty but not idolizing it? Margie? Well, God is not against beauty. He um, has made lots of beautiful things. <laughs> He's against sensuality. Mm-hmm. And so when they were little... I made sure I focused more on their character, their kindness to their brother, their honesty when they were, you know, uh, in trouble. Or And so I would really um, encourage that more than their appearance. It wasn't like I didn't ever say, look how cute you are in that dress or anything. But so your children will value what you value. And we would read books. We read the George MacDonald books. We read the C.S. Lewis books. The movies we watched, Cinderella Man, you know, The Sound of Music, whatever. We would talk about the character of the people. And so they learned to value what is good and what God values. And so um, uh, the other thing, I... Wes was very intentional with my daughters, and uh, he would take them on dates, and uh, Franny told me that she felt that when she had good time with her daddy, she was less uh, tempted by some guy flirting with her, you know, because she didn't need that attention, and so Mm -hmm. I think it is really important for daddies to spend time with their daughters. I totally agree with that, Margie. I can say from first, you know, firsthand experience that my dad too provided a lot of security for me as a child with just that unconditional love. And I think that really did translate into me not needing the attention um, of guys in in a unhealthy way. I mean. Yeah. It's not to say I'm not a sinner and yeah. didn't, you know, yeah. didn't have temptation that way, but it, it was very, that was yeah. a very protective um, thing that my dad set up. Maybe, maybe he didn't know it, but just yeah. by being a loving dad. So yeah. that's really a sweet thing you shared. Um, yeah, I think too, just, um, you know, again, the word of God, just, just proclaiming it in our homes, uh, you know, first Peter three, four, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. Mm-hmm. You know, tell your daughters that verse. Talk about that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, God says that what's very precious to him is this inner beauty, this gentle, quiet spirit. Um, so, you know, if that's important to God, you know, that's we want to promote that to our daughters. Um, you know, First Peter 3, 3 through 4, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry and, or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Read God's Word. Share God's Word with them, um, such as like those scriptures. Um, you know, again, femininity and masculinity are being confused. They're very confused now, but just go back to God's Word and emphasize what... God's created, if it's a daughter, God's created you to be female. And that's really a great thing to be a female. And 
Um, and God's created you to be male, and that's a great thing to be mm-hmm. male. And um, there's just special things that you get to do with that, you know, what God's created you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the parts he gave you, the chemistry he gave you. It's just, that's a good thing. So um, just promoting that and, the, and showing them the goodness of God and his creation. So I think it's good just to share God's word with our children. Um, and I definitely think Proverbs 31 is such a great um, scripture for me. Another one that I like to share with my children, it says, you know, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. So that's an important message. It's not that it's sinful. It doesn't say mm-hmm. beauty is sinful. It says it's fleeting. It's just not mm-hmm. going to last. Mm-hmm. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so we, you know, it's okay to be lovely on the outside. You know, God used Esther mm-hmm. in scripture mm-hmm. because of her loveliness. That's God good. used that for his glory and his purposes. <clears throat> so, um, you know, we, it's okay to, to be lovely on the outside again. It's not okay to be immodest. That's not lovely. Again, we just need to define loveliness or define beauty as God defines it, and then we're gonna we're gonna keep things right. You know, that's I think that's just as moms, we're gonna have to just make sure: Are we defining beauty to our daughters the way God defines it? And so, just kind of search that out, and then you'll be that's a good place to land. And if and if you know you veer off correct yourself, humble yourself. Oh, you know, hey, I just saw this in scripture. And I think, you know, let's, maybe we've been emphasizing this too much. Let's go back to what God says is really beautiful. And um, let's ask him to to work in our hearts and truly make us lovely um, as according to his way. So, all right. So the next question is, how have you worked through situations where you and your husband don't agree on a particular parenting issue? And then another question along with that is, what has it looked like for you to follow and encourage your husband's leadership when parenting kids in this age group? Kim? So it is really important for um, you and your husband to present a united front. Um, and you can ask my children. One, one of the things that they will get in big trouble for is if they ask mommy something and they get an answer... And then they go ask daddy. Mm -hmm. Um, So when this happens, and we find out about it, um, we always go with the person who gave the stricter response. So whichever one gave the permission pulls it back and says, oh, no, 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 no. You asked, no. So we're still giving them a unified front, even if we maybe gave them two different answers. So that's kind of one way. And then don't disagree in front of your children. You know, Mm -hmm. really, you've got to just, even if you really disagree, don't do it in front of the kids. Go, go back, take some time. Um, them getting away with something or not getting away with something for, you know, a period of time is, uh, is not going to be more damaging than you disagreeing with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, really working it out in private. One way that, um, because I am a stay at home mom, I'm with the kids all day. So one way that Mark could take the leadership um, is that when he was home, he dealt with the discipline and the instruction. So I, Mama might do it all day, but if Mark was home, um, he would be the one that would interact with the kids. Um, and sometimes, you know, when he'd come to the door, I, you know, by the way, I've been dealing with this, with this child all day long. So they kind of know because they they haven't been there all day. Um 
but but really the bottom line is that unified front for your kids and and backing up your spouse Mm -hmm. i'm glad kimberly went first on this one because being a unified front and not disagreeing in front of your children working it out in private is exactly right but anyone that's listening right now you can learn from my failures on this one i really have struggled with doing that over the years of parenting and um and definitely god has been working in my heart to correct me on this but i mean i'm just going to be really honest i have corrected philip in front of our children i've lashed out in anger i've been very disrespectful because i've just felt like he was not handling something well and by the way philip is an excellent father so i'm talking about a great guy here that i've you know treated very wrongly um and God's been very patient and long-suffering with me. So, you know, I, it's, I've heard very wise people say that one of the best qualities you can have as a spouse is to be a good repenter. And um, I would agree. I think that one of the best qualities you can have as a spouse and as a parent is to be a good repenter. So hopefully that's where redemption has come for the Rack family because I have had to repent many times to my children because I and to Philip for not being unified, not disagreeing with him, or or disagreeing with him in front of the children. Now, I think there is a place for coming together privately and trying to get on the same page, and sometimes that can be long and drawn out and frustrating, and sometimes, honestly, at the end of the conversation, I still don't agree, but at that point, I do need to respect Philip's authority and, 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 and to the children say, hey, this is what dad says and we're going to go with it because he's the head of our home and that's what God's designed and that's going to be good and that's going to be the best for us. And that's me having to trust the Lord. So um, so I, I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm holding out hope for anybody that feels like they've already blown this one because I feel like I've blown this a lot. And, um, you know, I think apologizing to my children and making it very clear Hey, I was disrespectful to dad and that is not, God has called me to respect him. I'm supposed to be respecting him. So just holding the standard still high, not excusing myself, mm. just, Hey, I've blown it. Um, and I'm really sorry and apologizing to Philip in front of the kids that we've had to do that. And so this has been years of, you know, mistakes and, um, and again, I just praise God for, um, the fact that if we confess our sins one to another, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I, I'm I'm just standing in thankfulness for that fact and that God gives grace to the humble. So being a good repenter is a good parenting and spouse technique. I hold high before you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for humility and sharing that. I, God is going to give you grace. Yeah. So, and I think like many you. others will experience grace from that <laughs> confession as well. So thanks. Okay. Uh, final question. What last encouragements would you have for women to build their faith in this season of mothering? Kim, will you go first? Well, what I have to say may not sound like encouragement, but I hope ultimately it is. And that is parenting is really, really hard. (laughs) It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes energy. It takes thought. It really is pouring your life into these 
people made in the image of God. But because of that, there's not much we can do in this life that's more worth it. So that is, that is, that is the first thing. And the second thing is really just focus on the heart of your children. Um, pay attention to where they are seeking approval, to who they're seeking approval from, because eventually you want it to come from God. But in the beginning, God, God is a parent to us. He's a father to us. And so just like we seek approval, our, our approval from God, our children will should initially seek approval from us and ultimately from God. So really focus on their heart and pay attention to where they're they're getting that approval from because we want to give them our approval. And then lastly, know what your family's priorities are. And everyone's priorities may be a little different, um, but know what your priorities are and then evaluate. One of the ways Mark and I evaluate if we are heading toward our priorities is we ask ourselves, how are we spending our time? Um, if, if a stranger were to come into our home and spend a week with us and look at how we spent our time and what we did, would they be able to recognize what we say our priorities are? Because that'll be the truth. Because you, you do spend time on your priorities. And so if all of our time is running to ball games or watching television, then you maybe need to reevaluate if you're really heading towards your priorities. Um, the Bible tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. So that I just encourage you to know your priorities and evaluate whether you're heading towards them. That is so great. Yeah, that was so great. Um, I guess any final encouragement I would have is... Um, um, moms, I want God sees us. He sees us. Um, he, he sees us. He enables us. He sustains us. He fills us. He helps us. He loves us. He knows us. He can hold us together. We just need to look to Him. We need to keep our eyes on Him. I think that we need to see see what God's kingdom is really like. It's just different than what this world tells us. And so we need to get a kingdom-minded mentality about mothering um, and see it for the value it really does have. Um, it is a high position um, that does take everything we are and more than we have. And that's what is awesome to know, too, that mm -hmm. God's economy is different than the world's. He can do so much with so little. Mm -hmm. Like the little boy that came with the fish and the loaves, and what did God do? He, do, he just mm -hmm. multiplied it. Well, we come with, with weaknesses and, and our own sin, and we come, we, we are not, you know, we may not feel impressive, but we come and we give it to the Lord, and we cry out to Him, and He says that, you know, His strength is made perfect in our weakness. I mean, he says his grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect there. So, I mean, we just need to get that kingdom mentality of how precious it is to be a mom. Um, that God's economy in his kingdom is different. And that he will enable us to do these tasks. And he will, he will fill us. We are dry and we come weary. 
And when we, you know, but he will fill us when we cry out to him. When we need wisdom and we cry out, he gives wisdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is true to his word. So, you know, just like a little child, just believe, take him at his word. If he says, ask for wisdom, I'll give it. Ask for wisdom and and thank him ahead of time. Thank him right there. Thank you for the wisdom you're going to give me, God. Mm -hmm. He is. He's faithful. Um, Thank you, Lord, that you hear my prayers for my children. You may not see Mm -hmm. it answered today, but thank you, God, that you've heard my cries and, you know, there's just things that you'll see over the course of time um, that I've seen. Ah, this will make me cry, but things I've seen in my children where it's like God has answered prayers. Mm-hmm. And things that, you know, it may seem subtle at the time, but then I realized that was a definite answer to a cry to the Lord. So God is just faithful to us, and He's He loves He loves you. I just would like to encourage the mothers to enjoy their children. And um, when I noticed my children being angry, I really, one of the first questions I would ask was, has mommy done something that has been, that has hurt you? And so I wanted to um, be I did not want to exasperate my children, and uh, the Bible tells fathers not to do that, but I think mothers can do that as well. And so God has been so merciful to us. I mean, every one of my kids and would scare Wes and I to death at some point in their life, and uh, so God has been so faithful to us as a family. and. Um, I would see mothers be afraid of their children, and I would think, why are they afraid? They should not be afraid of their children. They should, uh, you know, they're the parent. Well, then I had Sarah, (laughs) and I was afraid of her. And so uh, I could relate. She was very smart. And so I just see God's kindness and his faithfulness to us, you know, um, in especially Sarah's life. And when she married Zach, we told him that we were afraid of her and that (laughs) he was going to have to finish raising her. And he's done a really good job. We're proud of Zach. (laughs) No, I told her I was going to share that, so she was okay with it. But yeah, God is merciful and kind and and just pray and, you know, uh, model humility as much as you can children good well thank you guys so much for sharing and for all the faithful years you've put into mothering so that you can be a source of wisdom now um and as always i would just encourage our listeners like conversations like this usually raise more questions and so i'm sure all these ladies would be happy to talk to you yes <laughs> okay i'm getting a nod yes, <laughs> now that yes, i'm okay yes. yeah. i'm getting real nods um but but seriously ask these we've had conversations in between this um and they have more thoughts let me just say and so <laughs> please ask them questions if something they said you're like oh man i mean i already have several i want to follow up on so ask them questions ask the other godly moms in your life questions um because these are conversations we need to be having as we raise our kids to know and love god and um i wanted to finish just by recommending three books the first is instructing a child's heart by ted tripp it's great for this age it's just how to get to your child's heart um how to teach them about the lord um he recommended a book called everyday talk 
Talking Freely and Naturally About God with Your Children by John Younts, Y-O-U-N-T-S. Um, and this is just how to have those Deuteronomy 6 type questions um, where you're leading your children to God. And then a recent set of books called Lies Girls Believe. They're part of the set of books, um, Lies Women Believe, Lies Young Women Believe. Those are by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. But her friend, um, Dana Gresh, wrote this. And it's it's a book. Um, one is for mothers, and then it's a companion book for daughters. And it's something for them to go through. It's for ages 8 to 12 it's excellent. I think it's a must read. I'm excited for my girls to be old enough to go through it with them. But you definitely want to get both because the mother's um, guide is just really helpful for you to read. Um, and then you go through the, the daughter's one with her. So um, thanks to everyone for listening.